Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage, and I'm really excited about our guest today. But before we get to our guest, we're going to get to the high school guru of strength and conditioning, Coach Manchie over in Kimberly. Coach, what do we got going on? Hey, another great summer day in the state of Wisconsin, and we got the King of Amherst coming on here. So super excited to get this thing rolling, Brian. Oh, I know. And for, for our viewers that are watching on Spotify or, or on YouTube, you can see all the A's behind him. So the guy obviously lettered a few times. Um, Coach, how's Fox Valley throws going before we get, get to our guests? Oh, thanks for asking, Brian. Real good. We got three, uh, two more sessions in the June, and then we get the July 4th week off, and then we're going to go eight more sessions. And it's right before football season. So it's really convenient because we have a lot of our throwers, our football players as well. And that will get done before football season starts. So it's a great opportunity. It's a lot of fun. We got great coaches and uh, kids get a lot better. And that's what it's all about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Our summer programs have started. We've had incredible numbers um, at, at all of our facilities. High schools are, are taking off. Some of our consulting programs up by you uh, doing an excellent job. The coaches that are working in those systems doing a great job. Uh, and I'm very excited, Dean, you know, um, as we continue to grow sports advantage, one of the things that I think is important is providing education, you know, for my directors and things like that. I think the one thing I see uh, that I think we do a great job of is our, our directors, our trainers continue to grow. And so I'm taking my directors and there's a good chance that I think maybe a couple guys from Kimberly may hop on this trip, but we're going to see the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we're going to see Laura Phelps and then we're, we're, we're going to step into the hallowed ground that is known as West side barbell. So we're, uh, we're really excited about taking that trip and, and trying to get better, obviously. So yeah, that's a, you know, yeah. Brian, that's a great opportunity. And uh, thanks for reaching out to us over in Kimberly, because we're always got that growth mindset and, and we're going to try to make that thing work. We'll have to check with the wives and check with the schedule. And, but that's a pretty great opportunity that you've got set up for your directors at sports advantage. Yep. Well, Let's get to our guest here, Dino. This is the guy that we've been talking to. I, I message him like probably once a week for the last month just saying, hey, can you be on the podcast? And he goes, my answer is still yes. Um, and so, you know, he's been playing the USFL, um, doing some good things, uh, talking about Garrett Groshek from Amherst, Wisconsin. Grosh, you over there, big dog? Yeah, I am. I'm here. A couple early corrections. Uh, these are uh -oh. my grand, grandpa's uh, letters behind oh, me. So he was an athlete. Yeah, and then uh, Tyler Biotis is the king of Amherst. It's not me. So. Ah, respect. I love that. We'll I have to get it. Tyler on. Okay, okay. Well, well, we'll have to have some discussions with you and Tyler about some other things too, as we as we uh, talk about Amherst in that area. Anyways, um, why don't we, uh, Grosh? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, um, so they can so, uh, learn who you are? Who am I? Um, Grew up in Amherst, Wisconsin, small town, uh, as most of Wisconsin is. Uh, was able to have some success at the high school le level um, and turned that into an opportunity to walk on at Wisconsin, play at Wisconsin, a uh, letter for four years at Wisconsin, and then um, took, my, took my chances with the NFL, um, signed with the Raiders, Made it to last cut, was cut, and then um, got a call from Minnesota right around Thanksgiving. It's been a week with them on the practice squad. 
was cut after the week. And then this opportunity of the USFL presented itself. Actually, one of my running backs coaches was one of the head coaches of the Maulers, ended up being the Maulers. Um, so kind of got that together um, and went through the, you know, the first season. So a lot of uh, logistics and going back and forth and being extremely fluid and adaptable for not just players, coaches, uh, but the whole league and just finished that up, just got to back to Amherst. Um, and my wife had me pulling weeds this morning. So. Garrett, yeah. it's always great to have the wife giving you some orders, getting out there, getting out there in the beautiful weather. Nice and hot. I'm glad you did it early in the morning because it's going to be another scorcher here in uh, in Wisconsin. But going back to Amherst, we talk about Amherst. You know, they're D five school, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, For football, they've got yeah, they've gotten a little bit bigger since I graduated. But when I was there, we were D five, D four for hoops. Yeah, so you know, very small school, but you know, as a football coach at Kimberly High School, you know, Amherst has got great tradition. They got great coaches. They have some great athletes like yourself that come out of the program. And we have a lot of coaches out there in similar situations that coach at smaller schools. You know, not everybody is at a big division one school. So how, what makes Amherst so good traditionally and culture wise? And what are some things that you think that they do well to keep, you know, year after year, having very quality football program, you know, and, and the kids, going like yourself, going and playing college football. And some, again, not the D1 level, but just going all over, playing at, you know, Division three schools and everything else. Yeah, so the success on the football field was not always there. Um, that's really once once Coach Lucy got here and a couple of years after that, um, they struggled the first, uh, first couple of years. I think his first year they had one or two seniors out. Um, and then fast forward six years, I think we had 22 on the team uh, my senior year. And the th thing that allows them, allows Amherst to sustain their success has been really accountability and adaptability. Um, they hold everybody, Coach Lucy, Coach Spadoni, everyone that's been on the staff. Um, coach Hansen was a JV coach when I was there, and now he's the head coach of Wapaka. Um, so just the accountability of doing everything right and trying to get everything perfect, even though you can't obtain it, most of the time, there's always ways to better your best and having the mentality of being never satisfied. Uh, that's one of, one of Lucic's kind of trademarks is after every game, he'll ask the guys as they bring it up and they're about to celebrate, he'll ask, are you satisfied? And if, it, if you're there and it's not the state championship and you didn't win the state championship, it's going to be a no. Um, and like the that. only time you get to say yes was after you won a state championship. Um, so that's kind of the mindset of the coaches. And they're the same way. It's not just the players. Uh, Coach Spadoni, Coach Lucic, they're always looking for different ways to improve. They know everybody's coming for them. They know they have a big target on their back every year now just because of the success that they've had in the past. So they keep finding ways to change stuff up. Maybe they can add some things. Maybe they can be more simple. 
and being adaptable to the players. Amherst has always kind of had talent. It just hasn't been cultivated for the most part as, as far as football goes and coaching-wise. And right now it's just kind of blending it together. You're getting the talent of players and you're getting, you know, the consistent coaching. And that's really what's leading to their success. Garrett, that's all great stuff. Are those coaches that you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of those coaches, are they teachers in the building? Are they people that, you know, just have a normal job and then they're just coming in and have coaching? Because I know that happens a lot in smaller districts or smaller schools. Were some of those coaches in the building? Yeah, Coach Lusick uh, is a history teacher. Coach Spadoni um, is kind of traveling around um, and helps students that need a little extra help. Um, and Coach Pate is a teacher at Wapaka. Uh, he's the offense and defensive line coach. Um, and his wife is a teacher at Amherst. You know, I think one of the big things that I noticed being a you know, teacher in a, in a school and coach in different sports is, uh, you know, a lot of it is the recruiting process of just going, you know, and finding kids in the hallway, you know, finding out if they're interested in playing sports. You know, I've been around football and track pretty much my whole career. And, you know, those persistence of coaches really kind of going up to athletes. And maybe, for example, especially in track, is a lot of times they don't even know if they can be good in an event because there's no such thing as really a great middle school track program. It's kind of one of those situations. A lot of kids don't even go out for it then. And then they get to the high school and you try to develop those relationships with those kids and, you know, and see how open they are to try something. What advice would you give for some of those kids that are being approached by coaches or teachers or anybody in the building, matter of fact, that say, hey, you know, hey, Garrett, I think you should try, you know, going out for football or you should try going out for track or whatever, you know, just to keep that open mind. Because a lot of times I think kids are just so fixed on, hey, I only play basketball or I only do bas baseball or I just do basketball, whatever the situation is. But what would you suggest or some kind of advice you'd give for those athletes when they're being approached? Because I've always looked at it as, hey, if I'm taking the time as a coach to try to persuade you to do something, I look at it as I see something in that athlete and they have a lot of potential and they could be very good at it. Yeah. Even, you know, what's the worst that could happen is kind of the thing that kept popping up when you would ask the question. Um, and when a coach would confront somebody or ask somebody if they're interested in the sport and even, you know, even the, the people that didn't think they were good, that weren't necessarily good when they started. Um, and it kind of goes similar with kind of Steve Jones philosophy of just water it. Um, we've had guys that came in and played their entire lives and weren't very good. Um, and then all of a sudden their, their senior year, they're starting their big time contributors uh, to where if there's a, if there's willing to be developed and, attack that process and really want it and are committed to it, then they're going to find success, whether that's on the field, on the court, track and field, or we've had other situations and guys that I had played high school with a bunch of high school sports. Cause we all played every single sport together since whenever we could walk and talk. Um, but guys that, we have lifelong 
relationships with friendships with just because they've been through the same stuff and we've had so many memories going through high school years and things like that where even if they weren't necessarily the best player um we had you know dylan heck who who passed away a couple of years ago um was one of those guys that just loved to work loved the weight room uh played football and basketball and this was as we're making our run uh, for state, our senior year in hoops. He had always been our 12th guy on the bench. Then all of a sudden in the, it would have been the state, not, not state, some, it would have been the sectional final. He's a, we get foul trouble, Tyler, Cameron, whoever it was. And all of a sudden he's asked to play the, the half of a game. So there's situations like that that I've experienced and seen to where if kids just stick to it, not only will eventually that opportunity might come and they might, and they might be ready for it. They might not be. Um, but that just builds those relationships and are, and are things that, you know, we can go sit at a, a bonfire and talk about um, with guys that I graduate. So it's not necessarily the success. It's just giving yourself an opportunity to try something new, discover who you are and who you are not. Um, and sports is a great way to do that. That's great advice. That's, that's awesome. He was your Ollie kind of like from Hoosiers, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we had a few guys that were like that over the course of my career. Yeah. You got every, there's a fumble recovery and everybody, everybody can make a free throw. That's the best part about it. Gross. Did you graduate the same year Dunner did from high school? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you must've had some pretty awesome stats in because you were the offensive player of the year in the state, how you beat Jack Dunn out for that. I don't, I don't know. We just won Um, more games. We yeah. won 500. Winning's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I had to throw that in there because I, I know that he listens too. So I, I, if you want to, uh, yeah, I just had to get that in there. <laughs> um, so then you walked down to Wisconsin, right? Uh, as a quarterback. Um, as an athlete. <laughs> as an athlete. Okay. Um, but as offensive player of the year, obviously in the state, you probably had some other opportunities and some other interests you know, from some other schools, you know, at probably varying levels. Um, what made you decide to walk on and what, what kind of gave you the idea that that was your best opportunity? You know, a lot of times athletes will, will chase the, the scholarship or chase the, uh, you know, other stuff like that. And, um, you know, what kind of gave you the idea that that was, a, it was a good fit for you? Because I know we've talked that it was just, you know, such a good fit. Um, maybe share why you chose that and what, what went through your process. Well, they, so I had always gone to Wisconsin camps. I wasn't really a Badger fan growing up either. Um, But obviously for me, it presented the the biggest opportunity, the biggest challenge. And coming from a small school, it was always, uh, depending on your competition, isn't that good. You're not playing against that many kids. You're at a small school. It's limited talent that you're going against. And that was an opportunity to, show that you can do it at the biggest stage, power five, big 10 football. Um, luckily I was, I was fortunate enough to have a support system where I didn't have to worry about scholarships. Uh, I knew that college was going to be paid for and it wasn't going to be from me. Right. Uh, so that gave me a lot of freedom as far as choosing where to go, where not to go. Uh, I really didn't have that many offers. Um, I could have played just about any position at the division two level. 
anywhere from <clears throat> linebacker to running back to quarterback. Um, like Winona State was quarterback, St. Cloud was linebacker. A couple of schools talked to me about running running back. I think Mankato did. Um, North Dakota State, Tim Polisek, uh, who's from Iola, yep. which is our biggest rival in high school. Um, he was at NDSU, and they offered me a preferred walk-on at linebacker, kind of a nickel linebacker. Um, and then I got an email from Wisconsin the week before signing day, the weekend before signing day, uh, to come to our walk-on visit. And once, you know, once I got there, it was kind of, you know, there, there wasn't anything that was catastrophically different between, you know, NDSU and Wisconsin, as far as that I feel good about the campus, things like that, the coaches, the people there. Um, both great cultures, as, as you guys know. Uh, but for me, it was always just uh, find the biggest challenge and attack it and go see what see what you can do. Uh, and that was why I really chose the Wisconsin. Gross, that's such an awesome message for kids that are getting recruited to here and kids that are already in college, right, with the transfer portal and all the other stuff you have going on, like, like – kids don't play the first year and they leave or, you know, everybody wants like the guaranteed playing time and stuff like that versus, you know, looking for something that's really going to challenge you and attack it, you know? And I mean, and the schools that you, that you mentioned are all great schools. I mean, really good, really. I mean, NDSU, obviously, you know, but when I was at North Dakota, I mean, we played St. Cloud and, and Mankato and, and some of those other schools, I mean, those are all really good football schools. So it's not like, it's not like it was like Wisconsin or like, you know, others. I mean, those are some good schools, but I think that's a, such a great message that you were looking for something that was really going to challenge you understanding that, you know, that it's, it's going to be a challenge, right? I mean, when you, when you're a walk-on versus a scholarship, you know, you have to really earn your opportunities in, at the beginning. And I think that's a, such a great message for, for our listeners, especially our athletes. Yeah. And I had, I had zero offers going into my senior year through my senior year. Yeah. Um, all that stuff came after football season and visits. Um, I, I might've had one in the summer going, I might've had St. Cloud offer uh, going into my senior year, but those Four, four of those schools were the only – I got two walk-on offers and then two scholarship offers from Division two schools. So that's well, all fact, all the offers I had. The fact you all performed Jack Dunn must have really got you a lot more interest. Yeah, maybe. He, I, I'm sure he already was, like, committed to Wisconsin since he was a freshman <laughs> in high school. <laughs> so, Garrett, let's talk about, you know, your quarterback coming out of a small school, which a lot of small schools, the best athlete plays quarterback. And a lot of at the small school, you're playing both ways many a times. So, you know, you're probably playing special teams, offense, defense. You know, you're kind of you're kind of doing so many things where at the bigger schools, a lot of times we're two platoon and, and all that in high school. And there's a lot more rest period. And a lot of those guys are not on special teams. So you go to Wisconsin, like other great quarterbacks. So Alec Engel was on the podcast from Bayport and he was a, a quarterback and a multi-sport athlete like yourself. But when did the whole process of changing and going to the backfield, when did that all unfold? And, you know, how did that happen? Was that a conversation coaches came up to you? Did you go to the coaches? How did that unfold? 
so as I was going through my redshirt year, um, I knew that like when I did the walk-on visit, it said athlete on it. Um, so as I came in, there's four total quarterbacks on the roster, including me. Uh, and one was Cray Lyles, who was a freshman at the time, same class. And going through the season, I would be asked to do, because I was the walk-on quarterback, usually I wasn't doing all of the young guys or scout team uh, reps at quarterback. So I'd be doing different positions, wide receiver, whatever they needed me to do, try to do uh, and got on some like scout special teams towards the end of the year. I was just running down on kickoffs instead of, you know, playing catch with the quarterbacks during that period. Usually they're warming up. Um, and then we got into bull prep. And that's usually when you get a lot of young guy, young on young, uh, kind of Devo guys going, going at it and actually getting a, a bunch of reps. And <clears throat> so now I was able to get some more reps and just, you know, we ended up running – I ended up running the football uh, a little bit more in those, in those periods. And we'd have plays where uh, John Bud Meyer, the quarterback coach at the time would sit in the back and we'd call the play action, deep pass. And I'd get to the top of the drop and you'd just hear him in the back say, go. And, and what it mean is just take off and start running and, and move the ball. Um, and Finished the season at quarterback, went through pretty much all winter conditioning as a quarterback. And then uh, Bart Houston was still in the building. He was getting ready for pro day. And I think I was catching spots for him. Um, and he had, he had said to me that he had asked the coaches because he knew that I was going to get switched to. And I was well aware that I was probably going to get switched anyways, just from wanting to play special teams and asking to play special teams and things like that. Um, and he, he had told me that it was, is going to be safety or running back is the two positions that they're thinking of. And this is probably, you know, February um, as he's training, getting ready for pro day. And then this is a week, week before spring ball. I think we had a week off in between our last, winter conditioning and spring ball start of spring ball and I see coach Chris comes up to me and this is in the middle of the workout it was uh how much how much do you weigh right now and I told him whatever it was at the time it was 217 probably somewhere in there and I see him walk over to coach settle start talking to him come back and he goes can you can you catch so I play quarterback. All we do is play catch all day. Like, yeah, I can catch. Um, and then we break down that workout. He asked me to come over and he says, uh, I think we're going to switch you to, to running back and ask how I felt. And that was, that was kind of it. That's awesome. God. Oh my gosh. That's so coach Chris too. Can you catch yeah. like and that's <laughs> quite serious? Like, you know what I mean? Um, so Grosh, I think I think when you and I met, right, was during COVID, right? I think is was probably that, yeah. You know, so Larry's um, was the only place that was open. <laughs> well, yeah, we could say that now. We, yeah, we were open during COVID. Yeah, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, some of you guys came over to train, and and it was it was awesome having you guys in there and and things like that. You were a team captain, um, and whatnot. So. For two years, right, exactly. So, which is incredible, right? You walk on, now you're team captain for two years. 
which says, you know, a lot about your leadership and, and, you know, the way you went about your business. Um, most, you know, a lot of times when you're dealing with the scenario of being a team leader or captain, right, you're a go-between between the coaching staff and the players. Maybe talk about a little bit how that process went, right? I mean, you guys got removed from campus. You got taken, you know, all that stuff. Just are there, are there any things that, that you had to deal with with that, that kind of unique and, and things like that? Um, because it was such a, <laughs> just a weird situation, right? I mean, nobody's prepared for that. No matter, no, absolutely not. Yeah, no matter how many leadership books you read, or you know, no matter how many Tony Robbins videos you watch, there's no like preparation for that. So, kind of, what was that like for you as as a team leader? You know, having to communicate with strength staff and players and trainers, and you know, getting tested every day and stuff like that. Yeah, we. Uh, that was actually when I did start reading. Is when uh, COVID, I was like, well, let's. Let's find something to do besides stare at screens all day. Um, and that whole situation, the, you know, the biggest challenge for not only myself, but the rest of the guys that were leaders of that, because I knew that I wasn't going to do it by myself. Um, so each, each position group really had captains within it. Um, sure. And I tried to communicate more to them rather than every single person. Um, because I think it was from Jocko from extreme ownership. He said, leadership wise, you can really, you're, you can't handle more than seven or eight people. Right. Uh, and so I ended up trying to find, you know, the seven or eight guys, maybe it was 10, um, that were really the leaders of, of, of each of the position groups. And we're going to do this together. Uh, we're going to figure out a way through it. The toughest part was just the balancing act of are we playing, are we not playing as we got down the stretch. Um, you know, when we're further out, when it's pro day is when we were told, which is <coughs> second week of March or first week of March, usually second Wednesday of March, is when we were told we wouldn't be coming back to campus. Uh, we wouldn't have a spring ball. And that that part wasn't nearly as difficult as getting into summer workouts, getting into fall camp because we had fall camp for two days. And then the big 10 said that we were yep. canceled and we were done. Uh, so through that, you know, summer conditioning, when we get back on campus to that fall camp, it was make sure everybody's, giving it what they need to to give in order for us to make at that point the message was if we're playing we're the goal is to go win a national championship that was that was the standard that we have and it's such a a, a big goal and a difficult goal that there can be doubt and reasons for guys kind of backing off or they're not sure well what am i doing this for we're probably not even going to play uh, thoughts like that creep into your mind and it was actually me and Mikey Mascalunas kind of uh, came up with a big message that we sent to the entire team and it was uh, the two the two what ifs really is the what if of of discipline or choose your pain of the pain of discipline or the pain of regret so what if all of a sudden we're 
we think we're not going to play. We're not really getting after it. We're not putting all of ourselves into our summer conditioning, our two days of fall camp. And then all of a sudden the season's on, COVID's gone, and we're not ready for the situation. And then the other side of that was, well, what if we put in all this work, we challenge ourselves, we make improvements in each and every one of us as individuals, and then there is no season. Are we better off than we would have been if we wouldn't have done that? Would we be ready for another situation whenever that opportunity would present itself? And that was really the message that we had sent out to, to the team. And that was really the whole, the whole point of emphasis through that summer and into fall camp. And then keeping it during the season was just trying to stay alive <laughs> for the most part. Um, a lot of adversity, you know, with COVID injuries, stuff like that. Um, you know, you throw COVID on top of a regular football season and it's a challenge for a lot of guys. And, you know, you just, you know, really kind of put your head down and focus on your process and, and try to find ways in your process to get better and as an individual and really leaned on more of the position group guys. And a lot of the guys that led the team this previous year were guys that were growing into leadership positions during that COVID year. Garrett, I think those are all great messages and, you know, making sure kids are ready. You know, we always say that the kids at football practice, a lot of times that are you taking mental reps, you know, when you're not, you're not getting the carry right now and you're not in this play, are you getting the mental reps? Because we know in, in all sports that at any time that next person's got to step in and be ready to go. So, you know, it kind of goes into your free agent. You're probably always got to be ready to go you know, in your situation. So talk a little bit about that Raiders experience being a free agent. And, you know, when you get to the NFL, do they, do they treat you different than people that are, that are drafted a lot higher? Uh, yeah, that whole decision there, you know, obviously with the COVID year, I get it. I could have went back, um, but there really wasn't, there wasn't much more I could give uh, to the program, to the University of Wisconsin and like, the coaches at the time that I had were on board with that. Um, and Coach Chris said I would need to come back. If I'm coming back, I need to develop as a player and a person. Uh, and I didn't really have a grad school program that fit what I was getting into. So uh, that was kind of the things that led to my decision of, I guess, declaring early, even though I had been there for five years. Um, and going into that, that whole process is fun. You get to just focus on working out for once. You know, I was done with school. Um, got to just completely focus on working out. Sign with the Raiders. Um, UDFA, eighth round, um, whatever you want to call it. And uh, obviously, Alec was a huge help. You know, we had been at Wisconsin three years together. He was probably one of the people that I had talked to the most, if not the most, since graduating outside of Tyler, just because of the, the Amherst, Wisconsin. Sure. We, we haven't been separated for very long. Um, so having him there and me and Alec actually have the same agent too, and he's got other guys that are on that team. So Alec was, you know, a big help for me uh, just transitioning and, 
you know, a, a friendly face, a familiar face that I could go talk to about anything. Um, bunch of great people in that organization, very similar to Wisconsin as far as culture wise and the standard committed to excellence is the Raiders uh, slogan. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Basically the same thing is said for Badgers. Um, so the culture didn't feel very different. Um, pro football, you know, we ran a pro offense at Wisconsin. So the verbiage and everything wasn't very different. It was fun to be able to learn a new offense um, instead of having the same one for the past five years, which is a luxury for most college college players. Um, but as far as getting treated differently, yeah, absolutely. Um, as UDFA, you got to be perfect. If you want to make the roster, if you want to have an opportunity, you got to be perfect. You can't have one bad day and you can't have just a bunch of mediocre days or some mediocre days or average days. Um, you got to bring your best every single practice. And if not, um, luckily I had, you know, Rich Bisaccia, who is such a great leader, um, keep an eye on me during and always, always challenging me, challenging every guy that he came in contact with and coached um, through that whole training camp, that whole process. Um, actually had Kirby Wilson was the running backs coach. He retired two, two weeks before training camp. Um, so we get into training camp and, you know, kind of Alec and, and Josh and Kenyon and, and Jalen are turning into coaches for the most part um, and leaning on them, you know, just because they've all had so much success in the NFL. Um, and then it ended up obviously not doing enough to impress the coaches, solidify a position, get asked for practice squad um, and end up getting cut on the last, you know, the last day, the cut day. Gross. So then you went on and, you know, um, you played a year in the USFL this past year. Um, you know, obviously we spoke off a little bit about it and uh, you felt pretty good about where the league is going. Maybe share, you know, some of the similarities uh, with, with the NFL or, or Wisconsin and then maybe some of the differences and then, you know, just kind of what you, you know, you got to play ball again, which is, which is great, you know, so just share some of that experience. Yeah, it's a, uh... It's a whole different different breed yep. of the USFL, especially right now. Um, you know, as far as you know, it's it is a professional league, but you found out early and continued to find out through the entire year that some guys are not professionals and coming from Wisconsin and being in the NFL, you got you know what a professional is, especially when it comes to the sport of football. Right. Um <clears throat> As far as being this, there wasn't much that was uh, the same from Wisconsin to to the USFL as far as cultural or um, things like that because of the amount of free time that you have as being a professional. Um, our schedules are set up pretty similar to an NFL schedule, if not because the head coach was Kirby Wilson, who was my running backs coach in Vegas last summer as well. Um, so he had set it up. He had set it up like, uh, like an NFL schedule. And early on, we were a little bit more 
college wise when it comes to being on the field as far as guys are you know we're okay making mistakes um we have time we have time but really if you look at our season we got there march 22nd and we we're done before june 22nd which is yesterday um so it's fast and, and you don't really have that time that you would like i had at wisconsin knowing that i'd be there four plus years um you got four months instead and um then eventually started getting and they had rules where you can't cut a certain amount of people so the roster didn't change a lot early on uh, and as we got through the season it started changing more and more injuries and then easing up on the amount of transactions and cuts that you can have um, so that started to turn into a little bit more like the nfl where people are coming in and going um, a little bit more frequently than obviously college, you know, you'll get a transfer here and there, but you get the same core core group of guys throughout your time there, your four years there. Garrett, I know you listen to the podcast. You see a lot of our great guests on and, and we always ask every guest because it's called get your edge podcast. You know, what advice would you give first to any high school athlete listening right now if you could kind of put yourself in their shoes what's some great advice that you would give to them well I think the two the two things that have helped me get to where I'm at right now is is priorities and perspective Um, priorities for me it was always football first now I loved competing and I love playing sports and I love the group of guys that I played all those sports with in high school. Um, so I played at 13 letters, um, which uh, I was allowed to play golf or golf and ran track and jumped my senior year, my last semester. So I was able to be in 13 sports, been with a, a lot of different people and playing a lot of different sports. Um, a lot of the same people throughout our entire elementary through high school career. Sure. Um, but football was always the priority for me. So <clears throat> when we were, I had played every sport growing up. And then once I got into high school and actually a little bit more, probably more so middle school, I started doing more football camps in the summer. NDSU was a huge one because of all the, division one and two schools that go there. So it was all about bang for your buck, go to a camp that's at that time, three days padded uh, and same with Wisconsin. And you get more than just one college. There's no reason to go to a camp. That's just one school, unless that's a school that you're expecting to get an offer from or, or have been talking to a bunch and you're there to get an offer or not get an offer and cross it off the list. Um, But then I started to prioritize and even throughout college, um, whether it was staying up late with the boys and watching the game or watching a UFC fight. um, I I knew football was my top priority at the time outside of my wife and family. Um, Try to shrink that list down as much as you can. 
uh, three max is usually where you start to stretch yourself thin um, and kind of made it made it easier for me to make decisions. And, you know, Vince Carter had talked about the illusion of choice. Uh, and if you have that set up as a priority, then you don't you don't get fatigued making decisions um, and you can just set yourself up to completely dive into it, attack it. Now, obviously I'm still going to enjoy time with my teammates and my friends. Uh, but that's something that's kind of always, you know, in the back of my mind. And then perspective is for me, the, you know, I've been fortunate since I was, can remember, I know that my dream has been to play in the profession, play in the NFL. And I know that that, that is the end point of my football career and that it's finite anyways. You know, a lot of people don't get, get past middle school, Pop Warner, high school, and so on and so on. It always gets smaller and smaller. So for me, it's, I know what the end looks like, but I have not seen the timeline. I haven't, I haven't visualized the timeline. I visualize what the, the end goal is, where I'm going to end up someday, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. I just know that if I keep going, that I'll be able to eventually get there, eventually achieve the things that I want to achieve. And those are really, you know, two of those big things. And then uh, another would, you know, nowadays it's in order to achieve what you want to achieve at the highest level, you need to be a little bit crazy and you need to be obsessed and it's okay being obsessed. It's okay being in love with whatever your passion is, whether it's sports, arts, musics, etc business reverse hypers reverse hypers uh eating iron pumping <laughs> weight um so just finding your your passion and, and attacking that is really that's something that's been huge for me and over the course of my career i had gotten uh, a video of you know talking kobe bryant talking about sacrifice and said, yeah, I, I lost a lot of relationships. I kind of put them on pause throughout his career and his path in pursuit of, of his legacy and greatness. And he knew that relationship would, would sh- suffer. Uh, he knew that he wouldn't be able to keep up with everybody and be friends with everybody and be able to mani- manifest and cultivate those relationships because of he knew that it was basketball and he knew that that's what he wanted to go. Now, after his career or whenever he achieved the things that he wanted to achieve, he would go back to those relationships. He'd go start hanging out with those people and spend a little bit more time with them, but those relationships would never be the same. And he was okay with that fact that in order to achieve what he wanted to achieve and do the things that he really wanted to do, that, some things are going to have to take a back seat and not only him understanding that, but the people around you understanding that uh, was obviously a huge thing for him to be able to do that things that he did. And knowing that in your own journey, some things are going to have to take a back seat if you want to commit to what you want to achieve. Well, I think, you know, and I've heard Toby talk before too, and some other you know, people, I think when you change the word sacrifice to investment, 
it makes it easier to do that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, your, your sacrifice makes you feel like you're losing something. Investment makes it feel like you're working to get something. And I think mm -hmm. when you just change that word around, you know, um, I, I think all three of us are, and, and a lot of our listeners are in that, you know, that mindset, we, we want bigger things, you know, not, not satisfied with where you're at. Um, and you want to continue to keep moving forward. So you have to make, you know, that investment, maybe it means, you know, not hanging out with different people. Maybe it means, you know, you got to go to the gym at five in the morning. Maybe it means a lot of different things. And I think, you know, that's a great message, Garrett. I, I, you you got to go after big dreams. You, you can't just kind of just ho-hum and oh, I'm good with where I'm at. So I love that message. And what is your deepest fear? If you've ever seen Coach Carter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dino, you got anything else for, for our man here? The only thing I want to mention here is, you know, Garrett, I'm glad, I'm glad you like the challenge because you, you took that leap to go from Amherst High School, you know, a small town in Wisconsin and go to the biggest school that you can go to in Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And I'm glad you took that challenge. I'm glad you keep taking challenges all the time here. You're ready. I think that's a huge message for our kids out there. So many kids back down from any type of challenge. And, uh, you know, your point of, you know, if you, if you want to be the best, you're going to have to sacrifice or invest like coach Bot just said, and that's got to be your mindset. And I think a lot of people want to win. They want to be the best, but they don't want to sacrifice or they don't want to invest. They want to be a regular high school age athlete and be able to have that type of, of lifestyle that they have. And, you know, it just doesn't work that way. So I'm glad you ended up being a Badger. I really enjoyed watching you on TV. I continue to watch your career. I wish you good luck and keep watering it, like we say in Kimberly. And and uh, just so thankful that you uh, joined us today. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Happy to finally get on here. I was starting to think that bot was getting Alzheimer's or something. I had to keep <laughs> telling him yes. There's a good chance that bot does have Alzheimer's. Anybody out there. Um, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Gee, we really appreciate having you on. Obviously, we'll be in contact here, uh, touch base. Obviously, you know, you're in the Madison area. Stop by, get, get a session in and, and, uh, and whatnot. Dino, we'll catch you later, and we will see everybody next time. Chop it! <laughs>